Proverbs chapter number 3. And uh, those going on the trip, you have to be loaded it on the bus. Six hours and 57 minutes from right now. <laughs> Just so you know. Uh, so, <laughs> all right. Proverbs chapter number 3. And uh, we'll uh, jump back in where we left off in our last study. And I uh, enjoy reading the book of Proverbs and meditating on it and studying it. And, and I enjoy sharing it with you. Father, we love you. Thank you for thy word. Teach us once more, I pray. This is such an important book for building wisdom in the lives of your people. Help us to understand and receive the precepts that we find within it and apply them to our lives. And so give us uh, ears that hear tonight and a heart that will receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been going through the book of Proverbs and things wisdom does for us. Productivity, longevity, peace, the favor of man, the favor of God, direction, health, plenty, loving, correction, happiness, riches, honor, pleasantness, peace, good health, and safety is where we left off on last Wednesday night there in verse number 23. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. Verse 24 says, When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. You have to be able to sleep well to have good health, don't you? And there's no sleep aid like a, like a clean conscience, of course. Um, I remember so many times as a kid, and, uh, you know, we, we do things that we've heard and learned as we grew up, but many, many times I remember... Uh, Dad praying this prayer with us as we'd go to bed at night. And uh, it's not just ministry life. There's all kinds of different uh, occupations, so to speak, if you will, that require a, a sort of a cattywampus schedule sometimes. But uh, but anyway, that's the way ministry life is sometimes. And, and I remember more than a few times that I would pray this prayer. He'd say, now, Lord, there's not a lot of hours to rest. So give us more rest than the hours allow. You remember praying that? Yeah. And you know what? God can do that. Amen. How many of you say, that, that's something I could use right there, you know? <laughs> and uh, uh, how many of you ever go to bed at night looking forward to your coffee the next morning? You go to bed. I'm not the only one wonderful. Uh, and sometimes you look at the hours and say, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to be rested when it's time to get up in the morning. But God is able, God is able to give sleep and sweet sleep. And uh, uh, yes, it's probably by way of habit, but uh, my first question every morning with my family is, did you rest well? Did you rest well? Anybody ask that in the mornings? Okay, several of you. Did you rest well? Did you rest well? And... uh, we exchange uh, greeting in that way in the morning. Isn't it good to be able to lie down and enjoy sleep that is sweet? Amen? Elsewhere, the Bible says the laboring man's rest, is, sleep is sweet. You know why? Uh, you know if you don't work hard, you, don't, you, don't, you won't rest well. You'll be restless. Uh, how many of you know what it is to be dog tired? Dog tired. You sleep better sometimes. Now, how many of you know what it's like when your mind, your body wants to sleep, but your mind won't sleep? How many of you know what that's like? All right. 
and uh, and that's uh, backslidden people have that problem. I see there's a lot of you to, uh, but no, sometimes your mind's still racing and your mind is still going. And sometimes you say, I can't sleep, I can't sleep, what do I do? Well, let me tell you what to do if you can't sleep. Get your Bible down and read your Bible until you fall asleep. What if I don't fall asleep? You'll have a great time in the Bible. Amen. How many of you fall asleep reading your Bible when you're not trying to fall asleep? See, it works. <laughs> and so uh, keep a Bible near your nightstand. If you can't rest, just read the Word of God. And, uh, and uh, it, it is good to go to sleep with pleasant thoughts on your mind, you know. And, uh, and that certainly affects your dreams and that uh, affects your sleep. So, but anyway, uh, if you've ever been scared of the dark or even haunted by nightmares, this is a really good verse for you. Amen? Amen? Let the Bible take care of so much of that. If you have trouble with bad dreams, read the Scripture, spend some time in the Word before you go to sleep. And let the last thoughts of your day be from the Word of God. Amen? That's good practical advice. Now, verse number 25. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. In other words, the the chaos or desolation that the wicked... The the wicked are causing a lot of chaos in our world right now, are they not? Yes. And so the Bible said, be not afraid of sudden fear. Sudden fear. I've told this already from the pulpit. I'm going to tell it again. Uh... But my middle daughter, I'm not going to use any names. But the one sitting right there. Uh, She loves to get... I have not mastered it yet. I've tried. I can't... I think there's a secret they're not telling me. But they'll take your water bottle and... uh, Anybody got an empty water bottle? Anybody got an empty water bottle? You got one? Chug it. Does Does that kind of work? Will that work? No, we we need we need. Uh, okay, well, never mind. It's probably, huh? Never mind. Um, anyway, well, she'll get this water bottle and and uh, and and it's like I don't I don't know what it is. It's like I I even look at her. I watch her while she's doing it, but it doesn't register what she's getting ready to do. And she'll twist that thing and she'll like smile. She'll twist it and all of a sudden it goes, boo! And I jump out of my skin every single time. You all pray for me. And that's what it is. (laughs) So uh, uh, the Bible says, be not afraid of sudden fear. I think I know why. Because when I was a kid, this man on the front row right here, would chase us around the yard playing boogeyman. How many of you ever played Boogeyman? And and we wait till dark, it's getting dark, and we go outside, and we were just little things, you know, vulnerable little things, tender hearted little things. And he would chase us around the yard and and he would say, Boo! and scare us. And can I tell you what the, uh, uh, the, 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 the the what was the worst part about it? The worst part about it was not the boo. It was the anticipation. Of the boot, right? <laughs> it's when you're at the corner of the house and you're behind the bush and you're looking out waiting for him to come. He's come around the back of the house and he comes up right behind you. Boo! It's the anticipation. Can, can I tell you something? Our, our, our great fears come most 
not from what's happening in our life, but what might happen. What might happen. It's the uncertainty. It's the sudden fear. And um, over again, the Bible says, fear not. Fear not, fear not, fear not. For the first time, I've told this many times, first time is when Abraham went and rescued Lot. Genesis 15, I think it is. Rescued Lot. And the Bible says there was a slaughter. He armed the men in his house. They weren't soldiers, but he armed his men. He said, we're going down there. We're going to recapture Lot. Lot had been kidnapped and all of his family. And he went in there. It was a great slaughter. And he brought everything back. And then he sat down and God said, fear not. Because the, I feel like the trauma of that all of a sudden set in. You know, you're, you're running on adrenaline when you're trying to capture somebody who's been kidnapped. And you fight your way through and rescue them and so forth. And then he got back home and he sat down. And God said, Abraham, fear not. And I think Abraham had some quiet moments to think. And uh, I remember being in the car with Dr. Tom Vogel, Vietnam veteran, after uh, you know, th- uh, 30 plus years, 35 years, after Vietnam. And we were sitting at breakfast one time. He said, he said uh, Brother Shook, I'm just now learning to forgive the Viet Cong. And I, 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 I uh, ride down the road and I watch his eyes cut like this when we ride down the road together. I said, what you looking at? He said, well, I, I don't do it intentionally. He said, just do it by instinct. Anytime there's a tree line and a clearing, he said, my eyes always cut to the tree line because that's where the Viet Cong would wait for us. That's where the fire would come from. I remember going to, uh, uh, when, when I picked up uh, Brother Raji from the airport in Raleigh, and we went to eat at the Chili's not far from there, and I watched him choose his seat in the restaurant. And I've eaten with him several times. He, he will never sit with his back toward the exit. He sits where he can see all the exits because his life's been threatened so many times, tortured repeatedly. But those men there are on high alert all the time. Now, some of you have been through traumatic things, and I'm not. To, I'm, I don't make light of that. But there's a there's a great truth here, and I, I don't want you to miss this. The Bible said in the book of Job, here's what he said. He said, "The thing that I greatly feared hath come to pass. The thing that I had greatly feared hath come to pass." I, I, that, that the Bible doesn't say much else about that, but it gives us a little hint. Into, remember Job in the first part of chapter Job, uh, chapter of Job. Job was sacrificing for his children every day. He said, "Because it just might be. It might be. What's he? He is sacrificing." And the Bible said he was a man. He stewed evil. He walked with God. He was a, 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 a great example of, of a God fearing man. God had a lot of good things to say about him, but he said, "This I'm going to sacrifice every day because it might be, maybe." My kids have done something they shouldn't have done and God would punish them. But if I sacrifice, then I can shield them from that. And in fact, through his prayers, he had prayed a hedge of protection because Satan had to get permission to remove, for, uh, for God to remove the hedge so he could get to him. But you know, 
uh, I can't sit in judgment of Job, but there is a truth here for us, and that is this. If we're not careful, we'll live our lives in fear, and, and fear changes our behavior. Fear changes our behavior. And I want to say this very tenderly, and I want to say this kindly, but I really feel like this needs to be said. Our children need to grow up with confidence, not fear. And, and confidence needs to be projected upon our children. Uh, you, you, you can, okay, uh, fe- it's not a sin to be afraid. Fear is, uh, a, a, is a God-given emotion. It's not a sin to be afraid, but it is a sin to be controlled by fear. Fear should not control us. It should not dominate our spirit. Over and again, the Bible said, be not afraid here in this passage. We're reading it. Be not afraid of sudden fear. Listen, if uh, that, that means something that can happen at any moment. If God can protect me in this moment, then God can protect me in the next moment. Amen? Amen? Yes, he can. And that means, that means sometimes uh, you might be afraid for your children. But, uh, but you know what? I would encourage you to project confidence in your kids. That means that means, how do you learn and grow? You have to take risks. You have to take it. Life is risky. Relationships are risky. You can't play it safe your whole life. How many of you? you how many of you remember a play? You remember playgrounds. Playgrounds. How many of you remember the uh, what do they call it? The hurricane? No, not the hurricane. Tornado slide. How many of that tornado slide? All right. How many remember when we didn't have a, a bumper pad on the whole universe? I mean, you know. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying some of these measures are wrong. I'm just simply saying you can, you can, you can take that too far. And, and uh, typically one parent is more inclined than the other and parents are good at balancing each other out. God is good about that. That's why you need a, a husband and a wife. Don't need to think the same. Uh, but, but I say this, a, a confidence ought to project it. You might be scared to death, but you, when, you, when you talk to that kid, ah, you got this. Oh, God, please, please. Ah, you got it. That's okay to be afraid. But you don't want to live. You don't want to project that fear. And uh, our, our kids, listen, listen. We're called to be soldiers for Jesus Christ. Amen. And soldiering defies timidity and requires confidence and courage. And we need some of that, amen? And so the wise man said, don't, don't, don't be afraid. I know something could happen at any moment, but don't live in fear of that. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. Yeah, brother Tim today, or uh, yesterday. Uh, yesterday I was talking to him, and he, uh, he was down. He said, Pastor, I'm swelling. He said, I just came for the doctor. The doctor says the cancer's metastasized. But I'm not afraid, Pastor. And that's something. Here's a man dying. Um, how many of you heard thunder this afternoon? Thunder this afternoon. I was witnessing this man <laughs> weighing on the plane. I, I told you about this Roman Catholic man. And I was talking to him about his soul. And all of a sudden, man, that plane, it just, whoo, I mean, just like that. And the whole, and everybody went, <gasps> like that. I said, man, it's better than a roller coaster, isn't it? And, uh, 
I remember sitting the lady next, uh, next to the lady one time. She's probably mid-60s, and she had crippling arthritis, and she's sitting next to me on the plane, and she's as nervous as she could be, and they start up the engines, and her whole body stiffened like that. She's next to the window, and I'm sitting here, and she's next to the window, and her whole body stiffened. And uh, I had already talked to her a little bit about the Lord, and she, was, she knew the Lord. And so, anyway, that plane started taking off, and she reached over, and she grabbed my hand, and I mean, her hand's like crippled like this. She grabbed my hand and just squeezed I started quoting every verse uh, that I could think of. What time am I afraid? I will trust in thee. Uh, and uh, I was quoting verses, praying out loud, amen. And we settled down. And, you know, and she let go, released. And then we hit an air pocket. And she grabbed me in like that. And she said, I said, have you ever flown before? She said, I flew one time 25 years ago. I said, never fly again. I said, why'd you get on this plane? She says, I got a new grandbaby and I got to see my grandbaby. And... Uh, but, you know, um, there's plenty to fear in our day. COVID, crime, inflation, car accidents, plane accidents, natural disasters, cancer. But God doesn't want us to live in fear. Amen? Amen. Look at verse number 26. For the Lord shall be thy confidence. Hey, underneath this command, be not afraid, is this promise. For the Lord shall be thy confidence. And shall keep thy foot from being taken or being caught. That reminds me of 2 Kings chapter 6 when Elisha, the king of Syria, uh, Israel was under imminent attack from, from the Syrians. And they kept uh, positioning their army to attack, a lot, lot like the Ukrainians felt several months ago when Russia was, uh, before they invaded. And Israel was living like that. And, and, uh, and every time the Syrians would make a military move, the Israelites' army would make a defensive a countermeasure, defensive countermeasure. And um, the king of Syria finally he got he said somebody somebody in here is a, 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 a is a mole somebody is uh, a spy somebody's giving intel to the Israel how there's no way they could know our every move every time we make a move they've already preempted the move there's no way. And one of his men said, uh, we're, we're all loyal to you here, sir. But that there's a man of God over there. And his God tells him everything you whisper in your bedchamber. And can I tell you something? You don't even have to whisper it for God to know. Amen. So God would go over and tell Elisha. He said, move the men over there. And Elisha tell the king of Israel, move the men over there. And sure enough. And so that king said, uh, Elisha was in a little town called Dothan. He said, we're going to, who, who is he? Where is he? They found out where he was. He said, we're going to go get him. And this, the Syrian army came and surrounded that city of Dothan and demanded Elisha, we're going to take Elisha. Elisha went out to meet him and he brought his servant with him. His servant was scared out of his mind. And Elisha just, he said, he said, you don't need to be afraid. He's, <laughs> and his servants just scared half to death. I mean, here he is he get, walking out, meet this, surrounded by this Syrian army. And Elisha prayed a little prayer. He said, Lord, open his eyes so he can see what you've shown me. And God opened the spiritual eyes of this servant. And the Bible said, all around, 
all around. The Bible said there were angels and chariots of fire. That's where that term comes from. Chariots of fire it comes from in Second Kings chapter six. And that your boy said, "Oh, no wonder you're not afraid." And Elisha went out and said a little prayer, and those Syrian soldiers went blind just like that. Well, when the king of Israel found out, they said, what are we going to do with them? Shall we just slaughter them? What we should do? He said, no, no, no. Actually, Elisha, let me get ahead of myself. Elisha said, you guys follow me. <laughs> so they all come blind. Elisha said, follow me. They follow him. He marches them right into the middle of the capital city. <laughs> and then says, Lord, give them their eyesight back. And it gives them their eyesight back. And here they are in the middle of the capital city of their enemy, surrounded and the king said, what should we do? Should we just slaughter them here? He said, no. He said, they're hungry. Let's give them a good meal. And they fed them, gave them food, gave them good drink. And you know what happened? 20 years of peace after that. 20 years of peace after that. Can I tell you something? Do we believe that God is able to protect us, yes or no? He's able to protect us. Amen. I brought this prayer letter. I've read it to you before. This is from 2012. Ron Charles with the uh, Cubit Foundation in, and he works with, among other things, works with the, in the garbage cities in Egypt. Uh, this is from uh, April of 2012. As most of you know, one of the primary reasons for my trip to Egypt this time was to secure the safety of Christians who'd been threatened with death by a radical militant group. Upon my arrival, I met with some of the village leaders concerning this group of believers who were terrified for their lives. I next made arrangements with some Bedouin Christians to receive the believers on a particular night and to safely secure them in the desert. I then hired a hundred camels from a man in Upper Egypt, a guide who was a believer, and four men who would serve as security. I forbade them from carrying guns. I told them that their job was to watch and to be in prayer. The plan was for the believers to make their way independently over a two-day period to an appointed place at the edge of the desert in Upper Egypt and to wait until I arrived. We would then take the camels overland until we met our Bedouin friends. The next event is what I feel may be the greatest miracle of all. The Lord guided me to request a meeting with two of the leaders of a radical militant Islamic group in a public place. When we met, I introduced myself. No shake of hand, nor the typical Middle East greeting of a kiss on each cheek. The spokesman asked me to sit and then said, We know who you are. We know how long you've been in Egypt. We know what you do for the widows in the garbage cities. The spokesman responded by saying, You're not afraid of us? No, I said. Should I be? Even though in reality I was shaking. We have your life on our hands, he responded. That should cause you to fear. You do not, I said. My life is in the hands of God and it is impossible for you to take me out of his hands and that should cause you fear. I told him that I will be taking some new friends to a place that is safe from violence and fear and that I wanted his pledge that he would guarantee two days and two nights of free unmolested travel. He stared at me a long time. You are an infidel. I don't have to do anything for you. After more talking, he then shook his head yes and said, because you are an honorable man in Egypt, you have my trust, my word, and my honor. You also have two days and two nights free to do what you would do. On the night that we all met in Upper Egypt and boarded camels, it was dark and foggy. Both fear and excitement were at their highest level. I told them God was with us. Within a half hour after leaving, we were stopped by a military desert security guard. 
I was expecting for him to turn his back. He asked me through the guide, what are you doing with all these camels? I told him, we're taking them to friends in the desert. He responded, where did you buy them? I responded, I didn't buy them. I hired them. They will be returned when my friends are finished. He then walked down the line of camels looking. Each camel was carrying at least one rider and some had two. But the guard never saw the believers riding the camels. He only saw the camels. He then came back to the front and asked, the camels will be back? Yes. I only hired them. He said, okay, you can go now. (laughs) We got a pretty big God, don't we? Amen. Yes, he's able. He is able to protect us and keep us safe. Verse number 27 is a great verse. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. You know, this is some good practical advice which the book of Proverbs is, is, is filled with. God is saying this. He's saying, look, if, 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 if you owe somebody something, don't delay to pay it. Don't sit on someone's wages, for example. Pay your bills on time. Uh, withhold not good from them to whom it is due. This is somebody you owe something to. And by the way, he's talking about more than just money. You know what there's a lot of unpaid bills of? There's a lot of unpaid gratitude bills among God's people. Someone that's helped you, someone that's done something for you, your parents and others. Have you paid that gratitude bill? Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Verse number 28 says, Say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. Don't procrastinate. Don't delay. Uh, don't put somebody off. If someone comes and says, look, you know, hey, you're supposed to give me this, supposed to give me that. Remember the Old Testament said this. Uh, stealing in the Old Testament. Uh, I don't know if I marked it or not. I didn't. Uh, I don't know. I can't give the reference right away, but I've taught it to you before. Uh, two things. If you find something and you don't return it, or you borrow something and don't return it. God called that stealing. God calls that stealing. Maybe all of us ought to go look around our house and see what's laying there that we borrowed that we never returned. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if it's in the power of thine hand to do it, do it, the Bible said. And, 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 and don't delay. Don't delay. Uh, be thoughtful. Be thoughtful. Don't say, go and come again. And tomorrow I will give thee when thou hast it by thee. Um. You know, God, God is a thoughtful God. We touched on this on Sunday. Um, if there's a, a mom and uh, he gives specific instructions about what to do if you find a mom with her little ones and uh, he gives instructions, what do you do if somebody's ox falls in the ditch? And God is a thoughtful God. If you have a flat roof, put a battlement around the top so somebody doesn't accidentally step off and hurt themselves. God is a thoughtful God and God's people ought to be thoughtful people. God's people ought to be thoughtful people. That's why you ought to leave a space better than it was when you entered it. You know, I pick up your cigarette butts out in the parking lot with these little fingers right here. And I pick up your gum too with these little fingers right here. Not because I enjoy it, but because this is God's house and it's God's property and we ought not throw stuff on the ground. 
Amen? We, we, ought to, we ought to be thoughtful of others. I don't... Uh, <laughs> Miss Letty's back here. I'm not going to have her stand and testify tonight. But she could stand and testify tonight because she cleans this space. She said, oh, Brother Tim could testify too because he, he cleaned this space a lot too and vacuumed. I better stop right there. <laughs> Some of you all could be cleaning up after yourself tonight. Amen. <laughs> Don't leave your seat like a pigsty. Don't leave your classroom like a pigsty. Amen. Be, be thoughtful. Be kind. Be considerate of others. Uh, when, when, uh, when, when, when people are trying to use a traffic flow, don't don't stop your car in the middle of traffic flow and get out and jaw with somebody for five minutes while you got six cars behind you waiting. Be thoughtful. Amen? That's what God is saying. He's saying, be thoughtful. Now, I'll come back tomorrow. What? That's inconvenient for others. We ought to think about those things as God's people. Amen? No, don't make a mess. Don't make a mess. I, I just finished. Uh, I like to read John Wooden stuff. I, I never saw any UCLA games, of course. Um, but, uh, boy, he's got a lot of wisdom, a lot of practical wisdom. But, you know, one thing he said is this. He said that, that the 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 uh, the staff, the custodial staff, loved it when UCLA came to their games because the locker room was always cleaner when they left than it was when they got there. And the greatest greatest basketball coach that they ever ever coached a game, and, and and he taught those boys, you pick up after yourself. We've lost that. We've lost that. Mom and Daddy, if you're going down the road and somebody throws something out the road, if it's safe to do so, you ought to get over and let them go back and pick it up. Let them go back and pick it up. Um, we ought to be thoughtful. No, verse number 28, say, uh, uh, 29, excuse me, devise, devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. Someone that dwells securely by thee. In other words, someone who finds security in you or near you or in your proximity. You know, trust is built over years, but it can be lost in moments. It can be lost in moments. And if you have someone's confidence, that ought not be trifled with. Uh, let me address the staff here. We have a great staff and we have good people. But this applies. I'm going to address our staff, but I'm going to speak into the whole congregation because what I'm going to say to our staff right now applies to you and the leadership where you work. The staff have the ability to either enhance or diminish pastor's leadership. And pastor's the one that's got to answer to God, according to Hebrews. I'm the one i got to give an account. And that ought to be on the minds of the people so that he may do it with joy and not with grief because that's unprofitable for you. That's Bible. I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just, that's what the Bible said. That's part of what that goes with the job. It's a wonderful privileges, but that's the responsibility you have to answer. So the staff has the ability to enhance or diminish the pastor's leadership. May I say to our staff, if you say, well, I know pastor teaches that and preaches that, but I don't really believe it, and you go off and do something different, 
and someone in this congregation sees you do something different, in their mind they say, well, we don't really have to do that because the staff doesn't do it. You can just pull off on the side of the road and watch church on TV. You don't actually have to go to the building because the staff do that. Now, I don't know of any staff that's done that, by the way, except Mr. Cook last time he was on vacation. No, I'm not correcting anything. Please understand, church. I'm not correcting the staff publicly. I'm trying to illustrate something. You understand? Now, I say that uh, to, to our staff to illustrate, but can I say this? You also, where you work, you, can I tell you something? You don't have a right to tear down what someone else built. And can I say this? Until you've been in the driver's seat, you really don't know as much as you think you know. I don't care where you work. And you don't have a right to mouth off with your opinion about why your boss is wrong about this, why your boss is wrong about this. And, and no. If you, if you have a great idea, then do something better that others will take notice of. Criticize by building something better. By finding a better way. And someone will take notice of it. Man, that's really smart. Why don't you teach the rest of us how to do that? But to criticize and undermine, that's, that's devilish. That's devilish. Absolutely devilish. The idea of loyalty is just about lost in America. Backstabbing, stepping on somebody else is the way to get up. My pastor pounded in my head in, in seven years of school. He said this. He said, he said you young men are going to be pastors. He said, first thing you need in a staff member is somebody who understands what it means to be loyal. I remember years ago, one lady of Christ. And she started coming. She was growing. She started going soul winning with us. And I can say this because you don't have any clue who I'm talking about. It was years ago. So I can say it. One lady of Christ, door knocking. She started coming to church. Her family started coming to church. Uh, started growing in the Lord. Started going soul winning with us. And at that time, there was a, a, a lady in the church who was disloyal. But she didn't like it. She's very sweet, very kind. If you thought she thinks the sweetest love, I found this. Some of the most poisonous people have just the sweetest demeanor. And you know, we 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 missed her at the soul winning meeting. So the next service, I said, "Hey, we missed you at the soul winning meeting. Hope you get to come back." And she said, "Oh, I went soul winning." I said, oh, okay. She said, yeah, me and Miss so-and-so are going so in together. And she's told me we'll have our own meeting. We'll meet 30 minutes before the church goes out. Now, let me tell you something. If you want to go soul-winning with somebody any time of the day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I'm 110% for it. But to do that because you're trying to pull someone to yourself and away from leadership is disloyal. You're not helping. You're hurting somebody. By the way, that lady didn't survive that friendship. The critic did. The critic lived on for several more years. But the young in the Lord, she didn't survive that. She became skeptical too. She became critical too. It eventually got out of church. Amen, Pastor. Hey, listen. Devise not evil against thy neighbor seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. Listen, if somebody gives you, if someone gives you their trust, don't betray that. Don't betray that. Um, I read a story not long ago about Bill Lear. 
Bill Lear, L-E-A-R, born in 1902. He's from Iowa, and he moved to Chicago when he was just a little primary-age kid. <clears throat> and they, uh, Paul Rader was the pastor of Moody Church at the time, and he attended Moody Church. Uh, he he, he uh, finished high school, started college, and quit college, but he was a thinker, a man of ingenuity, and an inventor. He invented the 8-track. Remember the 8-track? Anybody ever have 8-tracks? Bill Lear invented the 8-track. He also invented the Learjet, and he put everything on the line to build a Learjet. He felt like there's a niche in the market for this, a small plane, passenger plane, that would get you, I think the first ones are going like 500 some miles an hour, uh, get you from point A to B. He said there's a market for that. And he, he produced the first set of Learjets, and they, they took off, and I think, I don't remember how many, so give me some grace on the numbers, but it was, I don't know, maybe 50 or something like that had been sold. And two of them went down in, in plane accidents. And it bothered him. It bothered him. He thought about it. He thought about it. He himself started investigating those accidents and came to the conclusion that a part must have malfunctioned. He called everyone he sold a plane to and he said, ground your plane until I get to the bottom of this. He almost went broke and belly up getting to the bottom of it. He did get to the bottom of it, made one little change on that part, and then had to find out. It happened while in flight. The part would malfunction while in flight. Then he had to find out if his fix was going to work. So he got in the plane himself at the risk of his own life and tested the plane to make sure that his fix was going to work, and it did work, and he didn't lose his company. Obviously, Learjet, you know that name, right? What do you call that? You call that integrity. You call that a man who did not trifle with trust. Nobody brought it to his attention. Nobody required an investigation. He did it on his own because he valued the trust that others had given him. Verse number 30, we'll close with this. Strive not with a man without cause, if he have done thee no harm. Strive not with a man without cause, if he have done thee no harm. Um, you know what God is saying? Don't make an issue over just anything. Don't make an issue over just anything. Don't take offense. The, the word offense in the Bible, uh, it, 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 it's, it's talking about, figurative, it's talking about a stone and a, 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 a stumbling over a stone is being offended. So if there's a stone, an offense is somebody put a stone in your path that could trip you up and cause you to sin. Okay? That's the word picture. Here's a stone. If someone puts a stone in front of you, you don't have to stub your toe on it. You don't have to trip on it. You could just step up on the stone. Amen? Stand a little taller. Amen? You don't have to take offense every time someone is trying to offend you. Amen? I remember years ago, throwing football on a street in Chicago with some gangbangers, and they were using the Spanish language, and they were saying vile things to me. In Spanish, because this gringo, you know, he don't know no Spanish, right? And I just smiled away. 
going to football with them, you know. And they kept saying that it was dirty. It was dirty. They kept saying it to me over and over. And I just throwing a football, acting like, you know, like I didn't know anything from anything. And uh, can I tell you something? Uh, you don't have to get offended over everything. You don't have to make an issue over everything. In Ecclesiastes chapter... In fact, turn to it real quick. Turn to it real quick. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Well, we're going to stop with this, this last verse of Proverbs. But look, circle verse uh, chapter 7, verse 21 and 22. Circle those two verses. This goes right in line uh, with what he wrote over here in, in, in Proverbs and chapter 3, verse 30. Ecclesiastes 7, 21 and 22. Also, take no heed unto all words that are spoken. Take no heed. Don't pay attention to everything people say to you. Lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. For oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise hath cursed others. (laughs) You've done the same thing to other people. How many of you have shot off at the mouth at somebody just because you were frustrated or angry? How many of you have ever done something like that? Maybe you didn't curse them, but nobody here, nobody ever loses their temper. Okay, so the wise men said, look, don't, don't pay attention. Act like you didn't hear it. Don't, don't take that to heart. Don't, don't get in a fight over something that, that's not worth fighting for. Sometimes, Listen, sometimes God's people get evangelistic about the wrong things. Don't fuss over that. Um, uh, <laughs> I was at my mailbox over here. Uh, a number of years ago, and it was—I was putting some mail in the mailbox about nine thirty at night on Saturday night, and it had rained. And a guy was walking down—is um, that Henshaw Street? Henshaw Street. Walking down Henshaw Street, and he came to Beasley, right in front of the Holt Building, right there, and came to Beasley, and came turned right and was walking down Beasley this way, and a truck came, I assume from Olivia Road, and came and rode by him and it had been wet and evidently splashed some water on him. And the guy started cursing and swearing at the, it was a pickup truck, and the guy st- started cursing and swearing. So it was about about the place where the sidewalk goes across, the walkway goes across right over there into the pin oak tree. And he, he's, cu- he's cursing at the guy in the pickup truck. Well, I thought, man, that's not, that's dumb. So, also, the pickup truck is not at the light yet. The pickup truck hits the brake lights, and the red brake, up, brake lights come on. And I thought, well, that's not good. And then, and the guy now, so this guy over here is on that side of the street right up there. He now comes over to this side of the street so he can curse into the driver's side window. Now the backup lights come on. And I'm thinking, this is not good. I'm, not, I'm still standing there, you know, mail in hand, the, the Watching this, right, you know, watching this unfold. And all of a sudden, the, the, the truck stops. He's backed up. Now they're beside each other, cursing. Both of them are cursing. Now the truck stops. The, pa- uh, the, the driver door opens on the pickup truck. And the driver gets out. And now they're in each other's face. And they're cursing and swearing. I'm sitting there at the mailbox, you know. You know, what if a couple hundred yards max. And then all of a sudden, the driver reaches into the truck, and he comes back out of the truck. And again, it's dark. There's a street lamp light, and that's all. I can't really see their faces, but I can see their figures. 
and I hear that. And I see the driver like this up to the up to the pedestrian saying, You want some of this? You want some of this? I'm thinking, do not get blood on the church walkway on Saturday night. And I'm like, what in the world am I going to do? I had no idea what to do. Instinctively, at the top of my lungs, I started singing, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. <laughs> this guy's right. I'm singing at the top of my lungs. And praise God, he got back in his truck and drove away. The guy came walking down just to curse him. Did you see that? I'm going to call the police. I said, sir. You are an idiot. I told him. I said, you almost got yourself shot. And it would have been your fault. I said, with a mouth like you got, it's a wonder you're not shot already. He said, I'm going to call the police. I said, call the police and I'm going to tell them the whole story. He came to church the next day. He didn't get saved. We didn't have revival, but he did come to church. <laughs> Look, you don't have you don't have to listen to everything. If somebody mouths off, someone says something bad about you. First of all, I, you know, I okay, I'm gonna just this is not a doctrine with me, but I'm just going to testify. I'm so glad I don't know what goes on on social media. I'm just so happy I don't know. I'm just so happy I don't know. I said, it's not a doctrine. I'm not telling you what you ought to do. I'm just telling you what. I'm just happy I don't know about it. And I'll tell you this too. It's not healthy for you to keep up with what everybody is saying about everybody else. It's not healthy. You don't need to know. I don't know who's mad at who. Praise God. Amen. Just smile and act like everybody loves you. Amen. Let's stand. Father, thank you for church. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for God's people. Help us to exercise wisdom in our relationships and our life.